You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of JBC Connect. And for those of you who are following,、uh, this is our space to have conversations, reflections, and、uh, different things. And today, I am very happy to say that、um, Reverend Dr. Tim Phillips is our guest today. And、uh, as many of you probably already know, he is the senior pastor of. Seattle First Baptist Church, which has a beautiful and long history, and Tim has definitely been an important part of that.、Um, there's so many other things I could say,、uh, you know, Reverend Phillips, the,、um, the pastor, I could say Dr. Phillips, the scholar,、um, and, you know, Reverend Phillips with his、uh, passion for activism, peacekeeping. There's a whole piece there. And then to add to it,、um, we just heard.、Um, The big news about、um, a forthcoming retirement. So many things. So I just want to get into it.、Uh, so thank you, Tim, so much for making the time here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. And so, how are you doing? This is a kind of funny time to be a pastor, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was.、Um, no problem. I was ordained in 1981. And.、Mm. Uh, <clears throat> There were a lot of uh, uh, ins and outs of the early experience of my being ordained.、Um, but one thing that never changed was、uh, that ordination represented a commitment to the local church.、Mm. If, I, if, I were the, if I were to be the, the doctor part of Dr. Tim Phillips, I would say that I love the academy and I love learning and, and education.、Um, But all in the service of the local church.、Um, if I were to be the activist part of Tim Phillips,、uh, which I, I don't always see myself as uh, being, um, I would say that's in the service of the local church and the outreach,、uh, the mission of the local church.、Uh, being a pastor.、Yeah. Go ahead.、Mm-hmm. No, no, please go ahead. I, I was going to say that the pastor part was more in question because. Um, I grew up in a minister's home, and、um, I honestly, the last thing I wanted to do was to be a pastor.、Um, mm-hmm. uh, I saw what my dad went through, and、uh, he, the, the last church he served, he served for 40 years, and、um, that, can, that can do a lot to someone to spend、mm-hmm. that much time in the same place.、Um, and so, Uh, when I went off to college, I, I decided that I would be an English major and then ended up taking all、uh, Bible and history classes. And then went off to the University of Chicago to ideally become a liberal arts、uh, professor at some college somewhere someday. <clears throat> and, and so,、um, what really what happened? What, Brought me into ministry was a church start in、um, Chicago.、Uh, about eight of us got together and decided that there was a need for some kind of、um, socially progressive,、uh, evangelically oriented、uh, congregation. And so we, we came together and, and we thought, okay, so somebody should be pastor. <clears throat> and I had the <clears throat> educational credentials to do that. Huh. And so I became pastor, and, and I said, okay, I'll do this until 
we're at a place where we can call somebody else and that didn't happen. Um, then I went into seminary education and uh, that felt like a ministry to me um, until I got drawn to uh, University Baptist here in Seattle. And at that point felt like, okay, um, I cannot be Jonah anymore running away from whatever it is that God is calling me to. I guess I should um, just say, this is, this is my calling. And uh, so the pastor part, <clears throat> the pastor part went through, as I say, all kinds of fluxes and interact intersections. And um, it took me a while to uh, settle into a role where I felt like I was um, uh, doing what it was particularly um, that God had called me to do. And so I, I say that uh, in answer to uh, the long answer to your question, um, to, to say that I, I've had to do ministry in a lot of different settings. Um, you know, the church starts, um, working with an academic institution, um, working with a small church when I first came here to Seattle uh, that was in, uh, in the decision-making process about how it could go forward. Uh, and then to this historic church. And so in each one of those, I've had to adapt um, to a different context. Um, never would I have thought, however, that I would be having to adapt to this uh, pandemic life in ministry. Um, and it's hard. Um, you know, my joke is that I spent my whole life being trained that ministry was being a non-anxious presence and I feel now like I'm an anxious non-presence. Um, I can't be with mm. people. And that makes that brings all this anxiety about ah, yeah. what's going on and, and yeah. where are people and are they are they hanging in there? And, and yes. um, there isn't enough time in a day or a week or a month to <clears throat> have those kinds of conversations. And, and you don't have yeah. that kind of eye, you know, people passing you uh, yeah. out the door on a Sunday morning or in coffee hour week where you can kind of assess, you know, yeah. so, you know, Jane doesn't look like she's doing so well. I had better, I had better check in with her this week or, right. um, we don't have that. Yeah. You know, that's a really, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Actually, that's really great just to hear this broad, um, overview of your life history. And, um, I don't know if we've actually had the conversation, but we're both pastors kids. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that you had the same baggage I did <laughs> is that um, I had a very similar thing struggle with my calling is that I just saw what my dad went through. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can do that. Cause like, you know, um, a lot of folks who aren't in a, a family with clergy, you don't, they don't realize like you get to see a front row seat of like all the, all the stuff in the right. background, you know, and like, you see what they're holding together. You see like the toll it takes on, on um your your parent but also like on the entire family system and uh it's just a miracle anyone goes into ministry right yeah, you see that yeah. stuff so the fact that we're in ministry right now is really just like it's just a miracle of god isn't it <laughs> um, it's all great yeah. it's all great <laughs> but you know and what also i was thinking as you're just speaking right now it kind of connects also with that idea of um the local church as you're talking about is so ingrained in our our blood in our right. DNA and the local church kind of like the whole paradigm behind it is that 
we connect people, you know, and we connect people to each other and we connect people to God. And um, I get that sense for me, like even in the, uh, even in the academy, like, you know, you're just an extremely personable um, individual, like just really thinking about relationships and individuals. Mm. And so both of us have been born into this. We've been, uh, uh, I don't know, raised by this. We've been yeah. like trained by this kind of mindset of just relationality. And then you hit it really beautifully about at the end, now that we're in the pandemic, like an unprecedented pandemic, which actually is almost like uh, the exact opposite of that. It's all about separation, right? Um, for the sake of care, we actually can't get too close, That's right? right. It, 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 literally. And um, it's almost like, I feel like maybe for folks like you and I, this is why this is so stressful because um, it's going against everything that we are right. Right? <laughs> up to this point. And uh, I love that phrase of anxious non-presence um, uh, because that's certainly what I also feel as well. Because we're not, you could argue like in some ways, like just like kind of phys- on paper, like physically, are we doing more, doing less? It's not even that about that for us because it's more uh, a mental, emotional, existential thing is that we are not, we're not standing and we're, we're not standing in who we are. That's right. And, and I think that's, that's what's um, really difficult about this time. That's right. So in that anxiety, since, yeah. Uh-huh. That anxiety creates a a, 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 a em, emotional toll mm-hmm. on us um, mm-hmm. because there's this there's this thing that we we understand ourselves to be in ministry and mm-hmm. we can't do it and yeah. so we do the best we can to approximate mm-hmm. that and the emotional toll it can just be some days it can just be overwhelming uh, just to be yeah honest. Um, yeah. Um, Cause we always know in our head like this, no matter how much we're trying, we know like this is not enough or it's not what it's supposed to be. That's right. Yeah. And that's always kind of hanging over our heads. Yeah. Um, so I think Tim, I should have talked to you at the beginning of the pandemic. Cause like, if we just had this conversation, it would have really helped me out. It would have been a lot more insightful. So uh, this is my fault. You should have been the first guest. That's what I realized now that I'm listening to this. No, 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 no. But I, I really appreciate we're talking about this. So like in these times, these very unique times of pastoring, um, it sounds like the only way we can really get through this is like leaning even more than ever in self-care, not just for ourselves, but for others. What, what do you think self-care looks like? Um, or like, what do you think the message of self-care is for a pastor, for ourselves and for our congregations right now? Yeah, I, honestly, I struggle with that. Um, mm. You know, in some ways I have more time, you know, I, I'm an introvert who's trained to be an extrovert. That's all part of the preacher's kid thing too, I think. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so I've, ha- I've had more time basically alone um, mm-hmm. than I have ever had in my, profession, my professional life. Um, and yet that, instead of being a happy thing, <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't feed me. Um, mm. I realize that, you know, in the Myers-Briggs way of things, it's, you know, introvert or extrovert is how you process information and how you get energy. And, uh, it doesn't matter how introverted I may be on a personal level. The reality is that 
that how I function as a pastor um, has depended on being able to exchange that extroverted energy that comes with um, actually being with people. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I can't, I can't go to the normal thing that I do to take care of myself, which is to just have time away <laughs> to right. be alone. Um, right. I already have that, but that's not, mm -hmm. you know, that's not creating the, the, uh, the energy that I need. So mm -hmm. I think in some ways it's, it's personal. Um, you know, what are the things that you do when, when you're out of gas and you need to, you need to fill up again as a, as an individual person only under the, the, the context of where we are now. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that I've started to do is to have conversations like this, mm -hmm. um, to actually reach out to other pastors and, and, um, you know, the, we have this conversation that we do about every other week with evergreen pastors. And I have made a point of, of being at that, um, mm -hmm. even though, <clears throat> you know, there might be other things I should be doing. Um, I make a point of that in part because I need to have that that conversation with other pastors about what they're experiencing. And mm. so that, that's one of the things that I'm doing during this time. Um, yeah. And, and I'm also trying to, this has been an issue all my life and it goes back to the sort of measurements we have in our head about what it is to be a good pastor, having grown, grown up in a minister's home. Right. Um, to just, to say, um, to live into the word enough. Mm. Um, this has always been, a, I've never been enough, right? I've never been enough to be a good pastor. I've never been enough to be a good mm. partner. I've never been enough to meet all the demands of the, mm. especially the world in which we live right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a hard habit to break. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to, and to settle into, okay, um, it is enough that I made these three phone calls today um, and had good, you know, interactions with someone. It is enough that I got that sermon written to be on the, to be recorded at, you know, ahead of time. It is enough that um, I had some, some study time in advance of uh, a sermon or a, uh, our Bible study um, to, to just try to settle into enough. Um, mm -hmm. And that, for me is um, if a feeling of enough is what comes out of this pandemic time, then it will have accomplished something that I haven't been able to do my entire life. So, wow, that's a profound I'm, statement. I'm, I'm hopeful that that, you know, that that grace is yeah. working in me um, right now. That's a really profound way to look at the pandemic is like kind of a way to really reacquaint ourselves with great grace, right? Right. Because everyone all across the board, we can't accomplish what we want to, we can't do enough. And so maybe this is like this profound refining fire of our souls right now to just mm -hmm. like, can you just lean into God's grace to realize that God's grace is sufficient for us? Right. Um, Wow, that is really profound. Thank you for sharing that. And 
I have to tell you, Tim, this is very unusual for me to be zooming my mirror image. Um, I feel like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I'm just, I, I'm having a hard time being like a, an objective listener or something. I'm like, did he just, uh, just read my mind? Did he just explain? That is amazing. You know, and I was just thinking, um, Tim, like, I know, I think we both admit, like, Myers-Briggs is not perfect. Um, it's just a system framework for all of us to understand, but um, I, I actually use it a lot as well and like a lot of pastoral work, you know, just, just as a starting point to understand people. Right. And um, I wonder if it's not the IE thing that we struggle with so much, but it's the, the end, the intuitive part, because yeah. the intuitive part from my understanding is like, you know, what is what makes us really interested in doing things that are meaningful, mm -hmm. that are um, wide ranging, like, um, interdisciplinary like right. we, we we like having these like huge like universe universal stage kind of viewpoints right. and i think maybe that's the thing that is just why like even though we're spending all this like recharge time on our own we have tons of internal processing time we don't we don't feel like we're plugged into something bigger right. like all the things that are re like refreshing us feeling like we're part of a um something that's moving forward something that yeah. is really helping people at a very high level, you know, like really fulfilling morals and values, like that intuitive side of us, like is not being accessed at all. That's right. So, and so that's why I think we're all like, ugh, you know? And then if anything, it feels like the pandemic is exposing all the systemic stuff that is so painful. And even though it's not true, we, we sort of feel like we're just sitting on the sidelines and we're like, that's right. we, we that's can't true. do anything. Like, what can we do? And I think it, it maybe fills us with this, like, this heaviness and this, this dread, I guess. Of, um, and that's why no matter how much, it, no, like, no matter how much time you have internally processing, like, it's just not renewing us. That's right. Uh, so, and I just came across it just because you kind of started talking. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, oh, wow. There is so much here I want to unpack, but maybe bringing it forward, I feel like what you just said very candidly, very honestly by yourself is definitely very powerful words of pastoring, you know, mm -hmm. that for all of us, for our congregation members about leaning into enough and maybe even getting that beautiful exhortation is like, look, if all you, because we're, we're told all kinds of things right now, the pandemic, like, you know, mm -hmm. this and that, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I struggle with the whole word self-care, right? Like I'm thinking, I'm sort of at a point now, like, I almost want to tell folks, like, look, just survive. I don't know. Just, just like, I just tell people all the time, be kind to yourself and just survive, you know? And it just sounds so, it sounds so less than, but um, I just, I don't know what else to say, but I wonder if like you're saying is a lot more eloquent and probably more scripturally grounded in that, um, <laughs> which is always a good thing, isn't it? Is that God's grace is sufficient, right? Like this is really... Um, I just think of like Paul's letter where he's just pleading with God, like take out this thorn from my side. You know, we're just, we're just praying for this pandemic to be over yesterday. You know, we're just praying for it to be over and it just doesn't happen. And then God just comes out to us and speaks to us is that um, if you, you need to learn that my grace is sufficient. Right. And when you are weak, that's when I'm strong. Right. You know, and um, I, I'm actually just processing this as we're talking right now, but like, it's, it's just amazing that um, 
that I feel like that just really helps me focus like what we need to be doing. So I really appreciate those words. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, and, and I want to thank you for the, the uh, image of refining, uh, mm. <clears throat> because I think in, in the process of refining what is enough, there, there, there could be, I hope there will be uh, new priorities that come out of this time together. Uh, mm -hmm you know, uh, vocationally, financially, economically, right. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of relationally, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> we were set on a pattern. I think the culture had set us on a pattern of so much, um, uh, uh, aggrandizement, um, mm. that, that couldn't be, that meant you were never, you could never be enough or have enough. Um, mm. And um, now we're in this position where there's deep questions about, at least for me, about uh, enough. What is enough? Am I enough? Yeah. yeah. I, well, you're a parent, and and I I think about the the parents in our congregation who face right. that question every day when they're trying yeah. to educate and care for their children and keep their jobs and take care of their home and they can't go out. Um, right. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, it will refine our, I, I think it has the potential for refining our values and our priorities mm -hmm. uh, when this time is over. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really profound that, um, there, there is like a, a direct um, connection between refining and transition, right? Like right. the whole point of refining is that it is preparing you to transition to like a new perspective, a new paradigm or, or whatever. And I think, I think a lot of pastors would argue that perhaps one of the greatest things we do as pastors is that we help people navigate transitions. Yeah. Um, transitions into new, um, a deeper awareness of calling, uh, transition of life stages, um, literally like transition into death, into life. Like we are present in every transition, um, which leads me to something I really wanted to touch on. Um, uh, your church has been uh, uh, in, engaged in this long range planning. Um, yeah. And then during the discussions, from what I understand, uh, I don't know much because I'm an outsider, you had announced that you'd be retiring in uh, 2022, right? Sure. Um, and those are like all of that, the long range planning, um, your retirement, this is all about transitions, isn't it? Um, and I find it really interesting that I found like in the conversations of a lot of pastors I'm talking to, um, there's been kind of discoveries and discussions that the church is not very good at transitions. As much as like this would be so much a part of who we are as pastors, um, like there seems to be something as difficult about transitions. What what do you think? What do, what do you think is makes it so hard for um, for pastoring transitions, and what makes it so hard for churches to transition? Um, I, so so I think there's there's two kinds of transition, and one I think the church is really good at, and mm. the other not so much. So okay, yeah. There's the there's the natural transitions um, mm. that we all experience. So transitioning from one stage of life, transitioning through from life to death, transitioning mm. into being a family. Um, mm -hmm. um, I think I think I mean one of the one of the most powerful things about a, a 
congregation and ministry is to walk with people through those normal transitions of life. Um, then there's intentional transitions. Um, not that all natural ones don't have some intentionality about them, mm. but to, to get together the energy and the power to choose a transition, um, that's a different thing. Um, mm. And I think, I think that intentional transition is hard for churches for a lot of reasons, uh, mostly because, um, because the church has been with, with individuals through their individual transitions. They don't want that. They don't want that place that has provided that stability and constancy to change. Um, and, and I, that's the pastoral understanding, I think of, the resistance to change. So of course these people don't want to, they, you know, they don't want to have anything happen to the building because this is where our children were dedicated, where we were married, where we right. came into contact with God for the first time. You know, the, they don't want it to change because it's had this mm. important part in their life as they have transitioned through their own life experience. Mm. Um, but the truth is, you know, we are as a community in a new context that is, I think, calling us to transition to uh, a new way of being together. And um, that's hard. That's an intentional yeah. choice we make. Uh, yeah. That's, and, that's and, really interesting. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think sometimes our, our um, theology gets in the way. Um, mm. uh, you know, the, the, the somewhat orthodox view that you know god doesn't change um right that god is always the same you know jesus christ the, the same right. today yesterday and forever yeah. uh, keeps yeah. the church from thinking that it has any forward movement it has to make and if it does so if it does yeah. make movement then it's it's uh betraying something yes and, and you know the 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 process theologians, the, the, the people who I think, uh, Octavia Butler, uh, Pastor Anita got me turned on to Octavia Butler, the African-American uh, writer, who says mm -hmm. God is change. Um, if we had a more favorable theology around change, mm -hmm. I think the church, the, the church could, could make that shift uh, more easily. And I think that's what leadership in ministry is calling us to do now. Um, how can we be helpful in this intentional transition that the spirit seems to be calling us to? And what is the theological, what's the understanding of God that helps us get there? So, mm -hmm. so for instance, one of the things I really hold on to is that great old hymn, great is thy faithfulness. Mm -hmm. um, thou changest not. Well, mm -hmm. you know, okay. The most important part is the next line, right? Your compassions, they fail not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the part to me that we hold on to as, as God is in this change that is pulling us right. uh, into a new future. Um, yeah. so I, I think we have a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really profound. I mean, thinking, um, theologically and philosophically, right? Like a lot of Greco Roman philosophy, right? Really talked about the unmoved, uh, unmoved mover, yeah. the, de the deity, 
And we actually import that into the Christian faith where, whereas actually, if we really look at like the Judeo-Christian God, like through the biblical lens, we see that God is a creator, which is all about, right? Changing matter, like nothing into something. Um, it's a dynamic, like creative, creative process. There's nothing static about God, right? If we're right. looking at this. And then um, I, I think you really illustrate beautifully that there is a way to talk about God as reliable, mm-hmm. like not failing us as faithful, right? That's the biblical yeah. word, right? So you can say God is faithful, dependable, right. but God is still changing um, the world around us, you right. know, creating. Yeah, and God is in it. You know? Yeah. God is not just directing it from the outside. God is in it. Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I talk about God, I, I always rely on uh, Ephesians three. You know, uh, there's a power already at work within us that's able to accomplish far more than any of us can ask or imagine. Right. That's God, and that power is already within us. It's right. not out there somewhere. Right. And, and then that that makes an interesting statement where you're talking about how church loves just like natural changes. And what we kind of mean by that is like um, a lot of the ways we want to design churches to be this like kind of safe bubble. Mm-hmm. that we just kind of turn it on and just let it keep going, right? right like right. you come in here, you're going to find a spouse here, you're going to get married, you're going to get a white picket fence. Like, I mean, it's like they've almost like pre-prescribed your entire life. Like we want this little bubble. We want this building to look the same. And it's almost like antithetical to what we see in the scriptures is that God is this creative force, like disrupting powers, um, right. Uh, overturning things, you know, right. so that new life can begin, even, even dying so that new life may start. Right. That's right. Exactly. Um, and so if we are kind of like holding on to paradigms, we're like, you know, we want this pastor to be with forever. <laughs> you know, we want to involve them. Um, we, we want to have all this legacy um, just for the sake of like preserving, you know, uh, embalming things. Um, yeah, right, that's, right. that's where the, the church goes really bad. Right. Right. Um, not to say like, but I think there's a way of like telling your story. Like we're trying to do an initiative where we're going to create a, like a legacy library room. Um, but you know, it's very important for the, the committee that we're talking with. It's like, we don't want to just tell the story and leave it in the past. We want to bring it to the present right. and see how it informs our future. Right. right. And, um, and I, I feel like maybe that's, that's the scary part, right? Like, um, Maybe people are just afraid that, like, if you let the future in, like, you're going to have to let go of the past, but you don't have to, right? Um, right. And, there uh, would be no future without the past. So, right, you know, right. we might as well find a way to to uh, move things along that mm-hmm. same trajectory because, you know, mm-hmm. the future, you know, the future of uh, 19, let's say you all were uh, formed in 1899, I think, right? Uh, I believe so. Oh my gosh, I'm a bad pastor. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 120 years ago yesterday, yeah. Yeah. last year. Yeah. I have my cup here somewhere from the yeah. 125th. Um, I didn't prepare for the interview. I'm sorry, no, no, that's, Tim. That's all right. That's all right. Um, that, uh, uh, that there wouldn't be any future without those 125 years, right? So yeah. so it's the, the issue is not to say, okay, we've got this far. This is as far as we're going to go. It's to say we're we're taking this past into the future with us and uh-huh. doing our best again, that refining word, doing our yeah. best to refine uh, what uh, we have, 
how we've not engaged the world in, in good and compassionate ways in the past, uh, helping that lead us into what our res response should be the to the world now and into the future. Yeah, I think that's really profound. Um, I, gosh, there's so much more I'd want to lean into this, but I, I think it's interesting, like when we're also doing, cause like, you know, whenever you're in a transition, right? Like a transition like yourself, right? Um, uh, and, and you still have like a year, uh, some left. So it's not immediate, immediate, but it is coming up. Um, it's always at those transitions where we're looking forward, but we're also looking backwards, right? At right. the same time. And um, I wonder, what, what would you feel like you'd be saying to like your younger self, like for instance, like Tim, the seminarian, or like, you know, Tim in Chicago, um, because it, it, um, I, I'm a, I really want to ask this because it's interesting about the clergy. Um, a lot of people don't realize like the profession of clergy. I had read somewhere that, well, I had heard somewhere that the median age for pastors is actually 55. And to think about any other quote industry, right? Any other vocation where actually the prime of your career is in your mid to late fifties, right? right. Um, is very unusual, right? right. Uh, so it, it feels like, well, are you saying that we only have like about 10 years of optimal like ministry or something? <laughs> uh, so um, that's why I think it's really interesting um, to, to talk to folks who are maybe transitioning to another stage, like what would you say to younger seminarians, right? Who, because ministry is a very different sense of time than I think any other vacation in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, would, what would you want to say to yourself or to other like clergy, like as you're about to embark on this transition of change yourself? Well, I think, you know, and I can only say this from this perspective. Sure. 40 some years down the road. Um, right. Is to say, um, as you phrased it, lean into enough. Um, mm. There will always be more than you can do. There will always be um, uh, more expectations than are humanly possible. Um, so find a way to settle into enough. And by that, I don't mean settling as in um, not uh, not growing, not, not reaching, not taking initiative. Um, mm. But I would say, um, you know, in the in the company of other clergy, which I think is also important, um, discover what is what is enough for you. Um, trusting in the God who is, as you say, um, is whose grace is sufficient, um, regardless of what we think our thorns are. Um, because I, I think. Um, you know, I think the transition that I'm in right now is that as I as I get forced into more and to, to do more and more ministry online and using technology, um, I I absolutely do not feel like I'm adequate for that. <laughs> that I that I have the skill or the sort of intuitive sense of how these things work, um, and that and that makes me feel like I'm not enough. Um, those who come, those who are in a different generation, you and, and those that are younger, um, have a better sense of that. And, um, and it's just part of what your life has been. Um, and so the good part about that is that you will have more uh, intuitive skills around um, 
this way of doing ministry, um, and that's that's great. Um, but it also generates even more expectations. Um, you know, I, I say about um, about uh, the internet that um, I have finally mastered the the magical ability to be two places at the same time. Um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> and that's not good. <laughs> that's, right. Um, right. To, to be truly present um, is going to be even more and more. If that is, in fact, the mode of ministry, that's going to be more and more difficult um, mm-hmm. as as the next generation comes up into its experience of ministry. Mm. That's that's really interesting, too, because like um I'm finding, cause like, uh, I guess I'm on the end of Gen X technically. Um, just like, uh, I'll be 45 next week. And, um, oh, and I'm talking, Oh, thank you. <laughs> but you know, I I'm talking to pastors who are millennials and it's interesting. There's just a slight shift. Like for me this time, it's interesting to say that to him because for me too, like I, I've actually, like, we're kind of, everything we're doing in church right now was kind of what I had said in my heart. Like, I'm never going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do internet. Like I saw people doing that, you know, years ago. And I just right. thought, I don't want to touch this stuff. Um, but now I literally had to get like forced and pushed into it. And I've literally been like deconstructing all these habits and practices of ministry right. that I thought were like, you know, sacred, sacrosanct, you know, kind of like, this is what it is. And, and just deconstructing and then reconstructing on the fly, this messy Right, exactly. you know, scotch tape thing, and I'm just like, what that, is this? That's beautiful. That's exactly right. You know, and then, um, and then I'm thinking, like, oh man, I'm just looking to the younger folks. Like, I bet it's easier for them because like, I feel so exposed. And then they are they're doing the same thing, but maybe their scotch tape is just a little different. You know, uh, maybe a little more put together. But yeah. I feel like it's an interesting conversation, right? Like, I feel like um, there's no one generation that's saying like, oh yeah, this is no problem. Like all of us are kind of like ripping things apart, putting that together. Some of us might have more tools, but like, I feel all of us, that whole, um, that was it, that pervading like um, anxiety about like just ripping things, like we're all going through this in a weird way. Um, Obviously it's harder for some folks more than others, but um, I, I think that's a, that's really helpful to hear about just like, different people in different contexts, like how they're doing the deconstructing and reconstructing, right. you know, cause like in a way it makes us feel like, look, even no matter what generation you're in, we're, we're all, we're all doing it in our own way. Right. So um, I, I think that's really helpful. Um, and like the things you're talking about, it's like, those aren't things you graduate from. Right. Um, no, <laughs> they're just, they're just, it's like a lifestyle, right. Of just constantly coming back to grace, like just bringing yourself back. Like, it, it takes the, the pressure off of feeling like, okay, you've, you've got to have X amount of skills by this age or right. by 55, right? Like the median right. age, you need to be, you need to arrive, right? You'll never arrive, right? Is what we're, we're kind of hearing. So, right. Right. so for all you, you know, future pastors out there, we just want to let you know is like, yeah, you'll never arrive. <laughs> wow. What an inspiring podcast. This is, this is Anyways. Uh, oh man, Tim, I had like a couple other questions I really want to get into, but you know, maybe this is a good spot to pause. And um, I've been saying this to almost all my guests, but like, I think it'd be really interesting 
to check in with you every once in a while, just mm -hmm. to see as you're going through this like year and a half, two years uh, right. that's coming up. Like it'd be interesting to see how your reflections and perspectives change um, yeah. as 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 your transitions like uh, approach closer. So if that's okay, if you don't mind yeah. me oh, sure. yeah. uh, checking with you. Um, My mom always, you would ask me, so. Uh, I, I love talking with you, Tim. Like uh, we, we've had a couple of good like sit downs for lunch and I always walk away thinking like, oh, that's great. I feel very um, heard and understood when I hear about how you're processing things. Because mm. um, I think, um, you know, our church contexts are very different in some ways, but I think there's so many interesting parallels between the two. There so, are, yeah. Yeah, so I really, I really value um, just you being in our community, just being down the street. Um, I, I have the same for you, Sam. Yeah, and uh, I'm such a well-wisher of your ministry and just really praying that um, as you're going through this time of really long-lasting change, that, um, that God would really be with you in that. So, Thank you, and you, and you. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna just wrap up this episode. Um, my heart is very thankful. Um, I think there's a lot of great material here. I want to put it to a sermon. So <laughs> just, uh, it's, it's going to come folks for anyone who like listens to the messages. Um, and uh, thank you again. And we will see you soon in the next episode of JBC Connects. Everyone take care. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you.